0: ahead to Peter Hedenskog, och du lyssnar på Change
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is The log and I'm your host, Adam Stikowiak. This is episode 212, and today, Jared and I are talking about SightSpeed.io with Peter Hedenskog. Now, Peter is from Sweden, so if you listen to the intro, it sounds a little different because you know what? We did it in Peters native language. We talked to Peter about SiteSpeed.io, an open source tool helping you to analyze your web speed and performance based on best practices as well as timing metrics. We talked about the inception of the project, where it's going, where it's been, the history, and what you can expect. We had two sponsors for today's show, Rollbar and Compose first sponsor of the show today is our friends at Rollbar, and I talked to one of their customers, Andrew Childs, co-founder of Clubhouse.io, and Clubhouse has a JavaScript-heavy front end to their application, so tracking errors and drilling down to the root cause was a major challenge for them, and I talked to Andrew about how and why they use Rollbar. Take a listen.
2: You can see if you looked at our our Rollbar, we have There's kind of a constant stream of errors coming in that that we need to fix. People are leaving these windows open for weeks and they've got all these extensions loaded and those extensions are doing things to the page, rewriting things and rewriting stuff on the DOM. And it's like you're in a very, very hostile environment. And you can only do so much to guard against that locally when you're testing it yourself.
1: What do you do when bugs come in then? How do you deal with that?
2: Whenever we get a new bug that comes in that goes to our Slack channel, so we're notified right away whenever we have a new bug. The page on Rollbar that has the bug information is super nicely laid out. Um, since they've got source map support, we can actually see exactly where in the code, even though our code is, is minified, we can see exactly which line is causing the issue. It does a good job of combining, you know, like if multiple people are having the same bug, it will combine all of those into the same kind of list and gives us a good overview of how many people it's affected. If it's it's just a single person who's on Linux running an old version of Firefox, then we know, or if it's something that's affecting everybody.
1: Now, be honest here. Don't say this just because I'm asking you, but could you build the application and do what you're doing without Rollbar's help?
2: It's very safe to say that uh, we wouldn't be where we are right now if we weren't using Rollbar.
1: That's awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Andrew. I appreciate it. For the listeners out there, we have a special offer for changelog listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash changelog, sign up, you get the bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. Basically, that's 300,000 errors tracked, totally free. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog, and now on to the show.
3: Now we're back, we got a, a fun show about performance, Jared, like... Who doesn't love
1: performance?
3: Performance matters. Performance does matter. We're building a new website. We want it to be very fast, right? How fast is it? I don't know yet. I'm going to have to run Sitespeed on it (laughs) once we get it launched.
1: (laughs) Speaking of Sitespeed, Sitespeed.io, we're talking to Peter. And the last name is said very differently in English as it is in in Swedish. So Peter, welcome to the show. And tell us how you say your name.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I say it's Kjellenskug. Kjellenskug.
3: Peter, we'll say it, Hedenskog. Hedenskog. That's what makes sense to us in English. Yeah, that sounds good. So, Adam, this show was brought to us by longtime Changelog listener and community member Justin Dorfman. So, shout out to Justin. Yeah, big thanks, man. This was actually on the front
1: page of Hacker News, which I think he was excited about it being there and then wanted to make sure we talked about it on the show because he's such a fan. But there's some sort of backstory to their relationship, is there not?
0: Yeah, it is so... Uh, Justin reached out to me a couple of years ago when I started Sitespeed.io and I met him at conferences and so on. So, yeah,
1: we met. We met. Yeah. We, internet he's friends. Really, he's so really like, yeah, Internet friends. Yeah, exactly. That's good
3: stuff. Lots of good relationships can start with just Internet friends, you know? I, I'm your friend, Jared. You know? I'll <laughs> always be your friend. Uh, Adam and I met on the Internet just a few short years ago. Uh, how long did it take us to actually meet face to face? Two years? I started helping out in early 2013, and the first time we met was at Keep Ruby Weird, wasn't it? In uh, November of 2015. 2014. 2014. So year and
1: a half. Yeah, not bad. That's that's my shortest internet friendship prior to IRL, which was. I, I never say IRL, by the way. I just had to uh, just
3: now. I say it. I think I'm getting you to say it. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyways. Well, thanks for the warm fuzzies. Back to-,
1: <laughs> Back to Peter. So, Peter, you know, one way we would like to show the, show the listeners kind of like the backstory of something like this coming to be is kind of figuring out where you came from. So help us understand what your backstory is. How did you get into programming?
0: Yeah. So when I was young, I was really, really lucky because my parents bought me a Commodore 64. Uh, I really wanted it. And I I, I I got it, and I played games, but I started to do things like uh, basic and learning assembler and you know starting like that and I got one thing: I remember when we were going out for the summer uh, summertime, and I couldn't bring my computer, you know, but I allowed programming, so i I took my pen and my paper, and I, when I was away from home, I used to write my programs uh, on the paper, so when I got home, I tried to i wrote it back on the computer and then i can run it and try it out so that's how it started that's not the first
3: time we've heard that yeah was that matt who uh, didn't have any access and so he would no he would just read books about programming languages but never actually was able to program because he didn't have a computer that could do those things is that what you're thinking of adam yeah yeah exactly yeah similar
0: yeah so that's how it started but then you know i got older and Kind of computers was yeah you, you, it wasn't so hot so i i tried out other things and uh, i didn't know what to do uh, in sweden when i started to study at the university at that time you could uh, so I, I i failed a lot you know <laughs> i tried out many many different things but i i failed totally i tried to be a chemical engineer but i didn't like it and i tried business business and economics but i didn't like that and then finally, I started uh, a course or like a program about uh, human resources management. So uh, I thought I was going on that path, but then somehow I started to do programming again. And then I did it a little at the university. And then I, my first work was like a, a, as a developer, as a, on like building a, a website in, in Sweden called Spray so that's the short story of how i started
3: what year was that and what technologies were you using
0: yeah so it was 1999 yeah, uh-huh. it was java java yeah uh-huh. so i i i used to love java but now i've been working with it for so many years and it's so many other things that are refreshing and, and new now so it's i try to avoid it
1: i hear, the, it, it,
0: I hear the javas coming back <laughs> yeah but why <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> the jvm <laughs> Yeah, but you know, yeah. So, you know, you have the interfaces and factories, and you need to do a lot of boilerplate code uh, instead of focusing on what really matters. So, it's so, uh, at least for me, it's so like uh, moving to paradise when you started doing JavaScript or Node.js to where you can actually do a couple of lines that actually do something. So, yeah, I try to avoid that now.
3: Yeah, less verbosity, but let's all admit that JavaScript also has its, uh, its pain points as well.
0: Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, <laughs> of course.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's true. All languages do. When you love a language, it's because you don't know it well enough. And then, as you will, you know it better and better, you find all the little corners of it that drive you mad. But that's, uh, that's kind of just life as a programmer. So take us to site speed. So you've used, you know, back in around the turn of the century, you were a programmer doing, doing Java. Uh, you said you had an opportunity to switch to JavaScript and Node. Maybe take us from the point where you're doing Java at that first job to finding JavaScript and to a point where you could build something like SiteSpeed, which, as Adam said at the beginning, is a, a tool all about performance testing websites.
0: So the first version of, of SiteSpeed was actually built in, in Java. Okay. so uh, i worked for spray.se that like, that was like um swedish version of yahoo at that time so it's like a big portal and then i worked for a, a small startup company for a couple of years and yeah, doing that back-end java stuff uh, uh, and i worked for a, as a consultant for a while and worked with a big customer that had a lot of problem on their site so it was a customer that that uh, they used the CMS and the people that was editing. They could change whatever. They could add, add extra JavaScript, add extra CSS, and, and whatever. So the performance of the site wasn't uh, perfect. And since like the amount of pages was enormous, uh, we're talking millions of pages, it was hard for me as a developer to actually uh, do something about it and find it. And the and the tools at that time didn't have a good way to to find those pages that weren't wor- working. So that's how I got the idea of SiteSpeed I.O. at that time. And that was like a simple crawler and then run a couple of performance metrics on each page.
3: Yeah, uh, so give us give us the year context again because and, and give us some of the tooling that was available because I'm imagining you had Firebug and you had Y Slow, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly, exactly. which I'm not yeah. sure what year this is. Yeah, so this is uh
0: must have been 2012 i think okay so uh, we had weislaw but weislaw wasn't perfect but what's what's cool about weislaw was that you can write your own rules because when weislaw was uh first created by uh yahoo Mm -hmm. so many so many things has changed you know you know you have the mobile phone uh and a lot of the rules uh isn't applicable or wasn't applicable even 2012. So I used YSlow, um, but I write, wrote my own rules, uh, and then use SiteSpeed together with YSlow, so like a um, SiteSpeed version of YSlow, and crawling a site, collecting a lot of URLs, and then running YSlow on them uh, to get like a, a metric. And then when I found a page that wasn't so good, then we could report it and, and start fixing it. So that was, was the idea. But I only started it like uh 2012. yeah uh, but i I like i had the idea of what i wanted to do but Mm -hmm. i didn't have the time to do it uh and then i got kids and you know in sweden you have like the fantastic thing that you can be at home for uh, a long time so i got twins so i was at home for almost a year
1: what's that Um, adam uh, twins how
3: long was your paternity leave adam
1: uh well my my paternity leave was not given to by the government it was given by me it was maybe 2 weeks. I think I even did a little bit of work during that but I was mostly just email checking. I did not get to like fully enmesh myself in yeah. in the process which did suck. And then obviously when I got back there was a pile of stuff to do so
3: so you you didn't get a year off to work no, on open no, source. No, no year off for me. No not at all. So we're a little bit jealous Peter but you Definitely. you had twins which is a which is a, I'm assuming it's a huge amount of work. Um yes. so it's nice so, that you had a year to 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 raise them up and and you found yourself getting a little bit bored is that the case? Yeah, so uh <laughs> in, <laughs> in Sweden you know. One, cut to the <laughs> I Hope his wife's not listening to this. Uh
1: so you know
3: <laughs> okay not bored uh, 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 you, re- you rephrase you, that you, for me.
0: Yeah, so in Sweden you you Uh, you get a little money to be home with the kids and that's perfect I mean it's it's a wonder it's like being home as a dad is uh it's fantastic so Mm -hmm. I was home taking care of the kids but having twins it's it's a lot of work it's a, a lot of work when they are small so and you know you talk with the kids and you never you hardly meet any people and you don't do things with your head so much you only like taking care of the kids so then i i tried to be up at night and started to do side speed because um you need to have something to like stimulate the brain Uh, Mm so i I was doing that and then tried to And, and that was cool you know because when you're starting a project you don't have any users you can do whatever you want and and it's quite, you can take it in your own pace and you can do stuff. So uh, yeah, that was really great.
1: What's cool about that is I think that's where the best ideas come from is whenever you're just sort of like in your life, right? You're not sitting there at the computers thinking, what problem is best for me to solve today? I mean, sometimes that happens too, but like you just kind of get into life and before you know it, you start thinking more and more about this problem you're trying to solve and, and you find new and interesting ways to, to take it to the next level.
3: Exactly. So uh, taking care of small kids, um, you know, I've done it. I've been through it a few times myself. It's, it requires a lot of effort and a lot of patience and a lot of your time, but what it doesn't require is a lot of your mental, you know, exercises. And so you have a lot of free brain time, but not, but not a lot of free time. And so you need an outlet for that. So it sounds like, you know, I said bored earlier, but it sounds like more like just mentally not challenged um and so this seemed like a good outlet for you especially after you got the kids down to bed is now you can actually take those thoughts you've been having throughout the day and you can inject them into this project which is probably pretty fulfilling yeah exactly yeah so you said the first version was java but i i read the first version was just a shell script so maybe there's maybe there was even a pre-version
0: yeah so it was shell script but it's the crawler was built in java because java was the thing i did like the like doing something really fast than I did in Java at that time. Uh, but it was a bash script, so it was super simple. Uh, but it's hard to, <laughs> when it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, it's hard for people to, to help out if it's built in, in a shell script, I think. Uh, so that was 1.0. Uh, and then, so I was scrolling a site, and you can test a couple of URLs. And you were testing like the, against the web performance best practice rules, why slow and like a modified version. Uh, but then for what, what's missing then was actually collect read metrics like how fast is like the first paint time or DOM content load the time. Uh, so I built a super simple version uh, in Java uh, that's driving a browser in Selenium to collect those metrics. So you can use the navigation timing API and user timing API and now resource timing API to get some metrics right from the browser. Um, so that was the aim for 2.0. And then I got help from my friend Tobias that I worked with uh, at the previous company. Uh, so I had an idea of what it would be like and I did a like a rough version and then he could um uh, make it better. Like, making a good structure and and what's cool about it is uh I did a rewrite or we, we did re- rewrite the whole code to Node.js. Um and then I also did like the first version and then he did a more structured version. So it's good. Mm. I, I think we, we work good together because uh he he got the structure and I can like have the ideas and, and like do the first version and then he can uh, help out and doing stuff in a, in a really good way.
3: That's interesting. It's always nice to have a partner in crime, especially when you're doing open source. And, you know, 2012, we're many years past that, so your paternity leave has been over for a while. Um, And at a certain point, that time becomes so precious and you need help. And maybe give us the story. uh, Give me his name again. What was his name?
0: Uh, Tobias Lidskog.
3: Tobias. So shout out to him uh, for all the work he's put in over the years as well. Maybe give us that story of, like, how you got him involved into it. Because what a lot of people with open source projects have is not very much help. And sometimes all you need is somebody else, not just to report a bug or, you know, to do a pull request, but to actually like come alongside you and be, you know, a a team on something especially ambitious projects. So it might be helpful for our listeners and for us as well to hear how'd you get him, you know, so into it and, and that story. And then after that, we'll cut out for our first break.
0: Yeah. So uh, first of all, I think like um, I've been working mostly at nights, and that works perfect when you you don't have you are not at work. So, but when I when I was working and and I did uh, fixing things and, and doing stuff at nights, you know the the code quality isn't like perfect <laughs> at least <laughs> right. or it really isn't so good. But at least I, I saw the problems, so I can do a new release and fix the bugs for, for users. So so that's good. But like the quality was really low at that time. And so that's good, like having people to that can help you out, and like we we can share things. And Tobias and me, we we work together, but we did actually. So he was working for a uh, like a, he was tech lead or like something like that for uh, for a customer, and then uh, he was moving on to other stuff, and and I was taking over that customer, and yeah, and you know you know if you got a friend and and you get like the perfect match. Uh, and then, uh, when I showed inside speed IO and he started to help out with a couple of things and, um, he's also really interested in, in performance and yeah, mm. so it's more of like, a, on a friend's basis. I think we, we, we have a good match and then, uh, but it's hard. He also have two kids, so it's, it's hard to find the time.
3: Yeah. Real quick before the break. One last question. You also, uh. Just to give a little bit more context around you, Peter, as you work for Wikimedia uh, on the performance team, you also call yourself a web performance geek. Um, You uh, are one of the organizers of the Stockholm Web Performance Meetup Group, which has over 600 members. That's pretty cool. Um, Why is performance, and you're going to be preaching to the crowd a little bit here, but tell us anyways. uh, Why is performance so important? And why is it something that you dedicate all this of your free time to? helping other people improve their site speed. What for you personally, why do you think performance is such a big deal?
0: Yeah, for me, it's so I I get really annoyed when things are slow. So, especially on mobile, you know, and, and when you want to find the information and you want to do stuff and and things aren't happening, It makes me really angry. So, so that, that annoys me. Uh, and you know, you, you want to do things fast. You, you maybe want to find something or, or you need help. Yeah, slow things really annoys me, actually. So I don't know <laughs> if you, you guys feel the same.
3: What kind of car do you drive?
0: I don't, have a, I don't drive a car. Oh,
3: boy. Yeah. What kind of bike do you ride?
0: Uh, so I
1: run. <laughs> I run. Do you run fast or
3: slow?
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Quite fast. <laughs> That's funny.
3: I figured we yeah. could judge
1: your, your, uh, your statement there based on your car, but I was way wrong.
3: Yeah. Backfire.
1: It's force Gump on you, you know, it's just running.
3: Yeah, he was running. All right, I think that's a good time to take our first break. And when we get back, we're going to dive more into site speed. We want to learn not just what it does. We know that it helps you judge the performance of your site, not across just a single page, but crawling an entire website, which was kind of the original reason why Peter wanted to create it. He could use YSlow on a single page, but when you want to automate that, you want to crawl a whole site, yeah, he needs something more. We're going to talk about what it measures, how it measures it, and get into some of the nitty gritty details of how sitespeed.io works. So we'll talk about all that after this break.
1: Production ready, cloud hosted databases. That's what Compose is all about. Compose.com, check them out. Pick Your Flavor, MongoDB, Elasticsearch, RethinkDB, Redis, Postgres, SED, or RabbitMQ. And today we focused on Redis. I talked to Sean Davis deeply about why Compose, but specifically why Redis on Compose.
4: Take a listen. The core benefit of using Redis on Compose is not necessarily just using Redis on Compose. It's the fact that we handle all the administrative side of things for you backups are automatic. You don't need to code them yourselves. We handle auto-scaling, so you don't have to worry about your instance running out of resources and we properly configure it so you know it's, it stays up and running. On top of that we offer a suite of tools that a lot makes just hosting it that much easier. The fact that you can use Redis in the same environment and the same using the same UIs as you do any other databases that are hosted by Compose it makes it that much easier. If something goes down we're fixing it not you. Things happen maybe there's a bug in Redis or Maybe I mean, there's a failover that just didn't happen the way it should have due to a bug in Sentinel. We're there to discover and debug those issues, not you. You focus on your product, not on administering your database.
1: All right, for our listeners out there ready to get started, they got a database out there already and they want to give Redis Uncompose a try. What's the process?
4: We have an import tool. This allows users to simply enter in a remote Redis URL. And what we'll do is actually attach to that remote cluster as a slave, sync everything over, and break off the connection, and you have your data.
1: So if you're ready to get started, check out Compose.com. Our listeners get 60 days free. Learn more at Compose.com. And when you're ready to sign up, use our special URL, Compose.com changelog. That'll get you 60 days free on Compose. Now we're back with uh, Peter Higginskog and we're talking about performance because who doesn't love performance, but, uh, you know, Peter, it, it come to me that it would make sense to have something like this as a web service versus some sort of NPM module you can install, which is great. We love that version. And I'm just thinking, why not make this a web service? Why not give the people out there, since it's so important to you, the, the choice to say, okay, well here's four or five pages that are really important to me. Let's, let's track those pages' performance, and if they're not performing well, alert me. Yeah, I guess take us through the, the idea of this site speed and what, where it's at and why it's not a, ser- a service like that.
0: Yeah, and let's start with it first. Uh, so uh, I, I built a version <laughs> like that, <laughs> that you could use. Um, so I, I, I got funded by the Swedish Internet Foundation to, to build that, so I, I could take three months uh, off from work to build it and i built it and it was working fine and still works fine but but having something online you know it takes so much time to keep it up and running uh, and taking care of of different instances and, and it was so much work so I, I closed it down now to be able to focus on ORM 4.0 to make sure that that um it's going to be released so right. yeah Because it's having something online uh, like that, it's yeah.
1: So, you think the efforts on the hosted version was premature then? Like, it's possible, it's just hard right now because the actual tool itself isn't involved well enough.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to like, if you're uh, working at a company and you need to, uh, you really care about performance, you should host your own version because. You want to dump the data into something else and you make them you want to make the graphs and, and you make them make sure that you can get the large when you want it and so on so uh, an online version wouldn't help you with that but an online version is more of making making it easy for users that just want to try and try out try it out but still it was yeah. too much work for me so i, I couldn't keep it up
1: so I guess maybe now would be a good time to really break it down. What what actually is sitespeed.io? Is it a tool? Is it a website? We know, it, we know it's open source, obviously, but what it is, What is it break it down for us?
0: Yeah. Can um, I start with a new version? Because the new version is really cool.
3: Please, please do. Can you uh, release it before this show goes live?
0: Yeah, probably.
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> so we released... He uh, likes things fast, you know? Yeah, really we
0: released the uh, alpha version, or uh, like an uh, early alpha, and. The beta is going uh, in a couple of weeks if okay. we are really yeah let's see i don't so know so it's, it's vacation is, town now in sweden so oh
3: that's see. does that mean you get more work done or less work done on sites
0: uh, it depends <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so yeah
3: you, but, three is the current you know quote-unquote production version version 4.0 that's the one that you're referring to which is currently like a canary build that you can get but the, uh, just so everybody's clear the features that you're talking about now we're going to talk all about 4.0 which is the near future right
0: yes exactly because the 3.0 it was um, like a, a big blob in 4.0 we want to we it's and when I say we I mean me Tobias and also Jonathan Jonathan Lee also helps out
2: mm-hmm. and
0: it's a team member now so we have three team members so that's perfect and we are looking for more so if anyone wants to join, you can just uh, hit me on Twitter. Nice. Uh, and um, yeah, so we had a big blob. And we were using Yslow. Yslow, uh, as I said before, the rules aren't applicable nowadays. So we want to change that. And we, in the old version, we were using PhantomJS. PhantomJS is a lovely tool, perfect. But it's not a real browser. So we want to make sure that we were using a real browser to collect the metrics, because. Now, with HTTP 2, you need to have uh, to make sure that your tool can handle it. Because Phantom mm-hmm. will not support HTTP 2 and so on. So the big thing, the big, uh, uh, the, the thing we wanted to do is, is to split it into multiple different uh, tools instead. So people can build their own tools on top of that. And we can build sites on top of on, uh, our tools. So the first tool. Uh, now is the coach and the coach helps you and gives you advice on what you can do better performance wise so the coach knows a lot of things uh and um the coach is like the new wise low but the coach will never give you a false advice the co- coach will say oh i see something is fishy here maybe you should look into it so you, you still is in, like in the driving seats to to make sure that that it's okay because like why slow it was rules and and you know rules are often made to be broken right because you cannot find rules that are like perfect because it's you have desktop and you have mobile phones and you have slow connections and fast connections and so on Mm -hmm. but the coach knows all about that so the coach is more of it will give you advice so we are removing why slow and using the coach instead uh, so that's kind of cool,
1: I think.
3: And the is coach, the coach is... how would you go about, so the coach is a, is a project that you all started for this version 4.0, but like you said, these are all kind of their own modules. So is this just an, a separate NPM package or is this a browser plugin? How do you use the coach by itself if you wanted to?
0: Yeah. So it's, uh, an NPM package, uh, and it's also a, a browser plugin in Chrome, uh, that you can use um and what it does it's execute some javascript inside the browser to like uh, check and collect metrics and see uh, how the site or the page is built and then it uses a har file uh, you know uh, uh, a file that describes how different assets are loaded in the browser and, and the different timings and an- analyze that and give back some feedback to the user okay so very cool
3: so go on what other modules or what other sections are there for the new yeah. version
0: yeah that's the one like the cool thing because that one you can use a standalone you can build a book bookmarklet and you can build a plugin for firefox and yeah so you can run it standalone and get the feedback for a page but um that's one thing the fun thing is like page x-ray because the hard file format format today the format that describes how different assets or download the browser is quite hard to work with. It's not like a, a, a good JSON format. So we try to like convert it to a, to a format that everyone can understand and more telling you more about what the page is built upon, like how many JavaScripts and how many CSS files and so on. Uh, so that's one thing, Page X-ray. And the third thing that we were actually using in 3.0 also is uh, browser time. And browser time is the thing that uh, Tobias has been working the most on, uh, and that is um, uh, it drives a browser. So it's using Selenium to start Firefox or Chrome and execute some JavaScript to collect some metrics. Uh, Browser time was originally focused on just collecting timing metrics, like timings from the Navigation Timing API, um, but now it's just executes javascript so it's a, a, a javascript runner inside the browser and then take the metrics back and you can say uh, test this page five times and give me the median uh, metric of uh, the DOM content loaded time for example so it collects a lot of metrics and then on top of that it's site speed and site speeds you have the crawler you can send the data to graphite and soon influx db um, you can you run have your own um, performance budget so you can run it in your uh, build tool so so we can check your site on the way out to see okay we can break the build for example if you have um uh, if the site is too slow or you have to, um, like a massive amount of javascript or whatever kind of rules you set up
3: well, that's really cool but use it almost as part of like a test suite or like you said like a pre-build it's like after your build but before your deploy you can even integrate it with your CI or something
0: yeah 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 exactly so it's output step or JUnit XML
3: is this
1: I mean it seems like that should be out there already like performance should be part of testing is this I mean is there anything out there like it at all now
0: yeah so you know about uh, there's one super great tool and that's web page test if you tried it, maybe. Web page test. Web page test. Web test. org. So Web org is built by Pat, uh, like a super great guy uh, that now works on Google, but he started the project on when he was working on AOL. Uh, and that tool is like amazing. It's really really good. It's open source. Uh, it runs on Windows, um, and uh, and that's that's. Uh, the WebPageTest is a service, so you use it online. Right. And then there's built tools upon it that you can use, like you can have an NPM module that uh, collects the data. Uh, but SiteSpeed actually also uses WebPageTest. So you can run WebPageTest with SiteSpeed. And SiteSpeed drives WebPageTest, collects the metric for WebPageTest, and then dumps the data to graphite or whatever you want. Or run the tests like um, in your continuous integration. So uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Sitespeed also wraps WebPageTest. So right. if you are like having WebPageTest instances, you can drive it with Sitespeed.io uh, to like, collect the metrics. And, because what's cool about uh, WebPageTest is that you can also collect metrics from real mobile phones. You can that in uh, Sitespeed 4.0 also, like it, but only Android phones. So WebPageTest, you can drive an um, iPhone. So that's really cool. To collect metrics from real phones, so that's why we integrated WebPageTest also to, to be able to use it and collect the metrics. And so, if you use SiteSpeed, you can run it standalone, or you can use it with WebPageTest and have the same flow, like break the builds on specific metrics or dump the data where you want it and create the graphs in Grafana.
1: But that's the part I'm talking about. If if there's that before, like breaking the builds, part of the CI process, because that's that's the interesting piece there. To me, I mean, it's all interesting, of course, but um, testing not only just if uh, if a you know something renders properly, you know, based on database knowledge, uh, but also the fact that like the site's speed isn't quite the same way it should be, and breaking based on performance—that's that seems new and interesting.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So there's uh, there's been a couple of, of different small projects, so you can run some little webpages just and. And then Sightspeed. And then I think, yeah, so you, you actually need to use it with real browsers. So you need to have Sightspeed or, or web pages. Just, there's a couple of other tools that use Phantom.js, and that's cool, but you cannot get like the same timing metrics that will be okay if you use that. But uh, yeah, but I agree. So that's really like the, the main how you should use site speed or where you should use it either. You can use it on um, testing your code on the way out. So you can make sure that you are not. Introducing regression on your performance, and then you can use it to monitoring your uh, your site. So you can run it on production and collect the metrics and create uh, graphs and and um, and um, uh, alerts if you want to. If you see something that happens, because I mean, some sites you know you have still you have a CMS and you have people that can do whatever they want, and it's good to be able to to. Mm-hmm spot that or you have ads and you want to make sure that they run fast and so on
3: so let's talk about a performance budget is this something where everybody gets together and decides you know 300 milliseconds is is good for us in terms of a certain um threshold of our page loading i know we talk about when a pe- web page loads you have a lot of different you know uh a lot of different things that that could mean you have time to first paint you have you know dom ready you have completely loaded you have all these different things so maybe tell us how you'd go about setting a performance budget to break a build and then you know how granular you can be with those types of rules that you're that you're giving it
0: yeah so in the old version and, and i think most of the tools i've seen has done it like you can set up a, a hard budget so you say uh, don't control and need to happen within. Uh, 1000 milliseconds, or you will not. You can set up uh, uh, to break the build if your amount of transfer size of the JavaScript is like uh, 200 kilobytes or whatever. Mm. And that's good in a way. But what we are aiming for in the new version is that you can catch regression. So instead of setting like a hard limit, you can see, okay, we are doing 10%. Uh, slower than yesterday, or 10% than, than the last build, or we have in, in, 10% bigger JavaScript files. So it's better to like, compare with the past instead, because it's, um, to have the, those limits works in some cases, mm-hmm. but you know, to, to be able to find stuff, it's good to, to like have comparing and, and find regression, I think. So uh, that will be part of, of the new version. To make it easier for people, because how can you decide, like... Yeah, you set a limit, and it's like, yeah, who knows if it's like the, the right limit or not? It's better to to make sure that you don't catch regressions. I think, or yeah. that you can catch regressions, of course.
3: Yeah. So previously used Phantom JS, and uh, recent news around Chrome Dev Tools is uh, this new headless uh, version of Chromium, right? The can't remember what it's called. Just called Headless? I don't know. But it's upcoming. And I, I, I assume that that's something that will affect you perhaps in a good way and perhaps in a bad way. What's your reaction to that news that the, the Chrome team is going to have this uh, Headless version available upcoming yeah. soon?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Uh, it's, so I guess it will like kill Phantom Yes and other um, things. Uh, mm-hmm. So, But that's, that's, I think it's good because it's been missing, right? So that will right. be good. For with io we can use it uh and i mean but what's important for me is that we at least support two different browsers so you we have um today we have chrome and firefox we want to be able to use opera so we can test on on mobile phones and test with opera because opera is really big in 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 Africa, and we want to be able to test that. And we want to move on when Safari, the rumor is that Safari 10 will be able to be driven with the, the web driver, so then we can use Selenium. And then in, in the future, maybe we can use, uh, we can also drive Safari on iOS, so that would be really cool. So
2: mm-hmm. uh, we
0: will always try to have like a couple of, of browsers. But uh, I think Chromium, uh, headless Chromium, is good, and uh, it will be. Exciting to see what people can build up and use it, how, how they can use. it.
3: Let's talk about who's using it, because the, the features that you're that you're delivering in the open source world, I mean, these are things that you probably have killed a few potential startups that would like to offer this as a paid yeah. service and, and so much value provided um, in the open source. That's what we love about it. You, meant, you, you mentioned in a recent blog post, because it's kind of like an annual review, some of your successes that you've had uh, throughout its three years, or th- this was 2015 review. And uh, just the the number of downloads that you are getting, the surprise of that, you had set a goal in 2015 for 25,000 downloads. And at the end of the year, you found it was about 141,000 downloads, which is, you know, Almost, well, it's a—it's not quite an order of magnitude. It's definitely the new level of magnitude. But, anyways, uh, it's a quite a bit more. And who's using it that you know of? You know, big players or small players or ones that are uh, interesting to you.
0: Yeah. So I, I haven't. Uh, I know quite many that uses it, but I, I haven't. Um, I don't know if I can can say the names actually because I, I haven't okayed with them. Well, so that's not fun. yeah <laughs> nah, I know, uh but there is a lot of people using it and and I mean, what's cool about it is that we have a docker version, so last year when we did try to see how many downloads we had, we had like almost forty thousand docker downloads, and that's cool because the docker downloads then you get Firefox and Chrome um on the same time, so you have like a perfect setup mm. and uh, we also have like a uh Uh, Graphite version, so you know Graphite where you can um, store your time series data. We have like uh, our own version, but you can you can use whatever version you have. But we have a Docker container, and that container had uh, fourteen thousand downloads, and that's cool because then you only have like one one version. You have it up and running, and you don't need to upgrade it. So that's a good amount of, of people that actually run it, and and take care actually look at the data and and use it uh, as like the, the most um, getting the most out of the tool i think uh, so that's cool i know in one there's has, has been a couple of companies that has talked about SiteSpeed speed at least so uh marks and spencer in uk it's um, like a shopping site has been using it so because they have, have I, told, I have talked about it in a, a conference talk, so I think I can mention them.
1: So for those out there that, uh, that are slight fans of Docker, maybe they've dabbled with it here and there, but what's the importance of having this as Docker images? Like, walk us through how someone would pull one of these images and, and actually make use of it. To, to get
0: something up and running, and you want to, you want to monitor the performance of your site, you you want to have side speed and you you run side speed and and you run it maybe every five minutes or ten minutes or once a day or yeah you can set it up in your chrome tab or or whatever tool you have and to run side speed you need to have side speed and you need to have a browser and if you download the docker container you get uh, an exact uh, version of the browser because that's good because uh, browsers are updating updating themselves all the time and and uh, to make sure that site speed is is uh, working correctly we release it with specific browser versions so for example it has happened in the past and past that um, chrome and firefox has has done a new release and it's broken with selenium and everything's broken but if you use the docker container containers you have a specific version and it will work fine uh, so you have a Docker container for site speed and then you can have a Docker container for Graphite, where you store the data, and a Docker container for a Grafana, where you can actually, where you uh, make the graphs.
1: And so you're maintaining all these different con- these all these containers for Docker to make sure they work with the current version of site speed or the current yeah, or, version of of the browsers that work.
0: Yeah. So actually, yeah, we we have only site speed. uh In the new version, we'll have a, a, a SiteSpeed container with. Um, specific browser versions. So the other ones is the ones that you download, the of, official ones. So you just do Docker pull, Graphite, Docker pull, Grafana, and you get that one and you set it up. But what we, so right now in the, in the 3.0, 3.x version, it's still, it is some hacking, you know, you need to configure things, you need to set up Graphite with Grafana, and, and right. you're aiming for making sure that. You can like run one command and and everything is up and running so it's more easier to get things
1: up and running and so version four is making that easier yes it's the
0: cool. so one thing yeah so now you know it's um, it's um i don't know you, you need to follow a, a couple of or you need to do a couple of things and and you know if you do things manually things will things will stop to work so it's right. good to try to automate everything so
1: we're hitting our next break but uh one thing we wanted to kind of follow up on which jared this is just a you know an eyeball for us we we're not really sure if if uh if your work on site speed got you your position at wikimedia but we'd love to learn more about that process for you and also the background of what's going on at wikimedia foundation and all that stuff so let's uh, let's talk about that and let's this break For those of you out there who are super fans, and I mean people who care about this show, listen every single week, care that we stay on the air, we want to invite you to join the membership community for just 20 bucks a year, and we'll give you an all-access pass to everything we do, access to our members only Slack Room, exclusive discounts from our partners, 50% off in the ChangeLog store, and of course, you support us so we can support open source. Hit the changelog.com membership to learn more, and we appreciate your support.
3: All right, we are back with Peter Hedenskog talking about all things sitespeed.io. And next up, we're going to talk about his role on the performance team at wikimedia slash wikipedia. But first, Peter, you wanted to give a shout out to somebody who's been working on a special integration with your new coach tool.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank Matthew Harrison Jones that built the Chrome extension for the coach. That's really cool. And he has also after that he has starting doing things for sitespeed.io. So that's really, really cool. People that start doing one thing and then do more things to the project. So I, I really like that. So thanks.
3: We'll link up that Chrome extension in the show notes. So you've had this reputation since 2012, you've been building SiteSpeed and you've been meeting people who are also performance geeks, as you call yourself. Um ten months ago you started at Wikimedia on the performance team. So first we're interested if your work with SiteSpeed perhaps gave you a shoe in with wikimedia and then secondly want to hear about what it is that you do there uh if site speed's being used by the company and just any sort of uh behind the scenes at wikimedia that you can give us
0: you know I've been working with SiteSpeed.io IO for quite a while or at least it seems so and and one thing when I so I, I applied for a position at the Wikimedia foundation and they were looking to to add more people to the performance team. And, and at Wikimedia Foundation, the most important thing, or one of the most important thing as a developer is that everything you, every line of code you write is open source. So they are really looking to other. Uh, when, when you start at the foundation, they re, it's, it's a good thing that you have been working on open source before. And since I've been working on IO, that was a really cool thing, I think. But you mm-hmm. need to ask ask the, the people that hired me. But I I think this, it was a good way in because you have something to show and, and we can yeah. we discuss this. and you know you have you can show what you have done. So I think that's really good.
3: So give us a, give us a little bit of the insight your day to day. What do you do as a member of the performance team? This is one of the I mean Wikipedia is at number seven. I don't know it's in the top ten of websites on the entire internet. So um, would love to hear what your day to day is like working there.
0: Yeah, so we are um, five members of the of the team. It's Ori, Timo, Giles, Aaron, and me. And we do different. You know, it's it's a big site, and and we have different uh, specialties. So, uh a day for me, I I work on Web Page Test, the other tool, uh, not Site Speed IO that we use to measure performance. So we have been working on. Um, on trying to do synthetic testing where we test parts of the site or a couple of pages to make sure to see if we can find regressions or performance regressions. Uh, so I um, I built some open source tool around that to, to um to measure the sites and um, or, um and then I'm now I'm focusing on an um, uh, extension to the uh Media Wiki helping users to know if an like an article page on wikipedia can be better for performance to give a hint on on what you can do and, and and change things to make it faster because what's cool what's really cool about wikimedia and wikipedia is that we have a lot of users that really cares and they create the content and they do fantastic things and if we as performance engineers can help them to make the site faster that's like that, that's the best thing because okay we have a couple of engineers but it, like there's a uh, a really really big site and like we have um really big amount of users and if we can give them the tools to to make the site faster that's like the the best things because then we empowering them to to make make it better mm-hmm. so that's
4: what i've been working on yeah the, the last month
3: one of the major ways to increase performance nowadays it's still I mean it's out there in production but it's still kind of on the edge is implementing HTTP 2. is that something that Wikimedia Foundation that you guys have done or are interested in
0: yeah we have switched to HTTP 2. the thing was we uh, uh, we did the switch I don't remember now could it be a month? So you know that chrome stopped supporting speedy right we were using yeah we we um, we moved to https uh, i don't remember now a while ago quite long ago um, and then we were using speedy because we need to have speedy to make it um, fast or quite fast mm-hmm. and then when uh, chrome was shutting down speedy i mean we need to move on so then we switched to http2
3: any stories from that? Was it easy? Did it take a long time? Were there no? I don't work on don't. In the road.
0: Yeah, so I haven't been working on that. What was important for us was to make sure that we did the switch when, when, like um, we had the same amount of users that was using HTTP two as was using Speedy. So we didn't mm. do the switch too early, so we are, people are losing on 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 performance. But I haven't been working on that, so I, I have a new, new story on that. Awesome. But it's cool, because it's, I mean, HTTP is the fe- future, but still uh, it will not solve everything, because it's nope. still problematic. So you need to know mm-hmm. what you're doing, and you need to make sure, because yeah. And still, I mean also the service that supports HTTP, HTTP2 have a lot of things to do. To make sure that you can prioritize content and make sure that the prioritizing is right so the browser can start to uh, to render the content as out as possible yeah so i mean it's it's really early in http http 2 life so mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of things that can be done i think
3: so one last question and then we're going to talk about how people can get involved and help out with sitespeed.io but as a performance geek give us this if you had to talk to uh, a total beginner Or an outsider with regards to website performance and you had to give three tips but you can only give three you can't give four three tips low-hanging fruit what should i be doing to make sure that my website is fast what were the three things that you'd tell that person
0: that would be first i would make sure that the cache headers are set so that assets are cached so the browser don't ask for the same asset over and over again so for example, if you hit one page and then go to the next page and use the same JavaScript and the same CSS, the browser mm-hmm. doesn't need to download it. That's, that's really important. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do the request, uh, then it will be um, much faster. So that's really good. Uh, the other one thing that, that are still, even with HTTP 2, probably probably like, really important is that uh, inlining CSS. And when I started, you know, uh, a long time ago, inlining in CSS in inside the HTML was like the most ugliest thing you can do, right? Because yeah. you need to have some structure, and you need to <clears throat> have the files. But on mobile, on a really slow connection, you want to make sure that the browser can start to render things really early. So you want to inline the critical CSS that can make sure that you can start rendering the page. So that's really cool but still it's that one is really that one is like maybe not for a beginner because it's okay. a little bit hard to to make but it's really cool because it's and it's important
3: i gonna say with that one you have to decide what's you have to decide what's critical and what's not because you're not saying you don't inline all your css it's just the critical stuff right
1: yes oh yeah above the fold so to speak there's i saw something about that but when you say inline do you mean in the head of the document do you, or do you mean actually in Line in the elements as a style attribute. As a style,
0: yeah. So uh, yeah, so you you do it in in the head, right? So you you can uh, you add the style instead of like doing the request, you just inline it in inside of head. Hmm. So the browser, when it's finished with the head, can start rendering the page because it's been setting up the uh, CSS uh, object
3: structure. Gotcha. Or you could or you could be old school and just code it that way from the start. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. All right, what's your number 3 tip here? Uh, yeah, number 3. Let me think about that.
0: Yeah, so number 3 would be for me to make sure that you only deliver things that you are using. Because a lot of sites deliver deliver everything, you know. You have uh, 10, 20, 30 different JavaScript libraries in the delivery browser and maybe use like 1% of it. And that's, I mean, on a desktop computer, like a fast computer, that doesn't matter. But when you are on a mobile phone and you're on a slow connection and, and, um, and you have a, like a limited CPU, a lot of JavaScript will make your phone uh, slower. So trying to minimize or at least make sure that you are using the things that you send to the browser. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, a follow up to Jared's question on those last two, since they, the first one was definitely closer to beginner. The second two seem a bit more. Um, second two are giving me the syndrome. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I'm thinking like, okay, what's the fastest? If those are focused on beginners or just in general, three core things you can do, you know, what are ways to identify what? You know, it seems like you say to send a minimal amount of HTML, CSS, JavaScript on the pipe to the to the browser regardless if it's mobile or desktop, but how do you define that for one? And then two, the inlining the CSS, like you said, to focus on what's, um, what, they, what the browser needs to render first, how, do you, how does one go about doing that? What, what do you recommend for that?
0: Yeah, so you can use tools. So there's tools where you actually can, can get the CSS that are rendered, uh, I don't have it in my head and but but you are you're right so maybe this like recommendations is like more for experienced users i would say the first one like try to minimize the number of requests i think the cache address is perfect because that's quite easy and then it would be to to make sure that you are uh, compressing all the text that you send so the html the css and javascript is is compressed because if you're compressing it uh, and you're sending over a line it will be much faster so that would be number two. And then I would also try to focus on a simpler number three. Uh, and that would be. Yeah, but, but I mean, still, if you're a developer, you need to make sure that what you are, you are only using the things that, 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 that matter. Your download. Yeah, exactly. Because, sure. I mean, that, that, that's in your like. Uh, it should be in, in your blog to make sure that, I mean,
1: I don't think when we say beginner, we mean somebody who's never built the web before. I think when we say right. beginner, maybe it's beginner for web performance. You know, someone who's yep. just, you know, throwing, slinging CSS, JavaScript everywhere. And they're like, uh, there's such a thing as performance. And then maybe you're like, well, hey, you should do caching. You should be concerned about inlining CSS, for, for example, or only sending down to the browser what you need for that particular page, not the JavaScript and CSS for 10 other pages. Yeah. Just so the page we- are actually trying to render yeah
0: so then i would say to start measuring
1: yeah
0: uh, that would be actually number mm. one because i mean if you don't measure you don't know so it could be that you are super fast and why should you spend time on, on trying to do things better if you are fast, fast yeah. already right so start measuring would be the first thing oh i love that for beginner beginners and for like experienced start measuring that's that's the best thing
3: start measuring i love that we, we worked our way around to you promoting your tool <laughs> 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 you're not you wouldn't be very good in silicon valley you know you, you got to start with the promotion of the tool and then and go from there but that's right yeah uh, that's, that's absolutely true got to measure before you can make wise decisions
1: well on the note of promotion let's promote something that's pretty important which is help you have a a doc on uh, on the repo that i actually sent a pull request to while we were here on the show um which is the best ways to help and money was at the very bottom, which, you know, it's not always all about money, but obviously, as you said before, you've got, you've got a wife, you've got twins, you've got a family, you've got things going on, you've got two team members that are helping you out. So obviously, this is an important mission and a mission that has more and more people jumping on board. So what's the best way for the listening audience to focus on helping, whether it's joining the team, whether it's contributing knowledge, whether it's advocating for support, how can people listening to this show take action today and and step in and help out in whatever way.
0: Yeah, perfect. So actually money is not important to me, but I will start with other things first. If you are a developer and doing stuff and you like site speed, I think doing a a pull request that that's perfect. And we have, we've been working now to make it easier to, to, to tag issues. So you know what, where you can start and what you can take on and so on, but it's always best to like create an issue and talk to us first. So we can, we can guide you through and, and discuss what you can do. Um, but then making the documentation better, because right now we are lacking a lot of things, and helping us writing tests. Because part of the, of the tools have really good tests today, but parts we, uh, we don't have so good tests. So writing tests and, and writing documentation, that, that's like perfect. Or helping us where it's, we have write, done something wrong, like in the docs, that's perfect. But if you're, so there's a lot of companies working or you know, using SiteSpeed IO, and and I mean, you know, I, I, I'm so blessed because I live in Sweden. I have kids. I have a partner. I work. I, I mean, I, I don't need money. But what's if you're if you're if you're using SiteSpeed I would love you to instead like trying to help people that are really suffering, like people in Syria, and trying to to support the Red Cross and doing stuff like that instead, because there's a lot of people in the world that really needs money. And, and, and uh, you don't have to, to spend it on, on me or the, the um, people that works on SciSpeed.io because we are really blessed because we live in the, we have, we have money that we, that we can take care of our, our families. It's better to help people that, that
1: really needs it. On the note of, uh, I guess, not so much exactly money, but maybe partnerships, have you pursued, uh, or are you open to partnerships with CI services out there? Earlier in the show, we talked about automation. There's obviously different ways you can integrate this into various either open source uh, things like Travis, for example, or even paid services like sponsors of this show, Codeship, for example. Um, what's your position there in terms of partnerships? And it might not be money, but it might be um, you know indirect support, so to speak.
0: Yeah, so we use... I mean, we use tools today. We use Travis, for example. So that, in a way, Travis is supporting us because we use Travis to to, to check our builds. Uh, we are looking for, I mean, it's important for us uh, that uh, getting support from, I mean, I would love to, to get some support, but it would not be for, I mean, it's important that they don't try to influence the product. So making sure, Yeah, I don't know if I had a good answer. We, we have been looking, but we are most looking into maybe a foundation to help us to make sure that um, we don't have, we, we don't want to have a like company supporting us. That's that makes answer. sense. I don't know. Yeah. Because, no, no
1: ties, um, so to speak.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because
1: uh, you want to be agnostic in terms of how you conduct your business and Maybe uh, it's kind of like politics, you know, could sway the vote, so to speak.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly.
1: You don't want nobody lobbying you. No. Nope. That's good. That's good. It's, it's good to know that about a, a person's character, for one, and also a project's character to, to kind of remain, you know, flat in, in that regard, so to speak. Let's, uh, let's ask a favorite around here, because we always love to hear about somebody's hero, so... Uh, We talked about where you came from, you know. We talked about your Commodore 64. We we even see a picture of you pushing your twins with a with a computer on it. So uh, we know that you love what you do, and somebody must have gotten you to love what you do. Uh, Who's your influencer? Who's your hero that got you where you're at? what you look up to. Uh,
0: I've been thinking a lot about that, and and I think so. It seems like almost everyone have a hero, right? But I I think my hero is like the everyday programmer, you know. You go to work, you do your time, you build your stuff and mm. maybe it's, it's not a cool product, but you do, you do your time. You, you try to solve your problems. And, and like, I, I really like, uh, I, I, really like the everyday programmer,
4: Yeah,
1: Was there an open source side of that question? The open, you know, the everyday programmer who also loves open source or just <laughs> in general, <laughs> I mean, cause on your about page, you say you're such a huge fan of open source like that is the way forward and that's why i asked that
0: no I, I think no i think like like being a developer or programmer at work and like focusing on your problems i think that's it's so cool that yeah that, that that's how the world look like today you don't have to care about i care about a lot about open source but i mean do your stuff at work i think that's so yeah I really, it's it's cool really. cool
3: in washington d c we have a we have a monument to the what is it the unknown soldier is right. that one adam yeah I always liked that sentiment. I thought it was very poignant you know it's it's basically isn't it a tomb, I think, or a grave site of some yeah. unknown soldier who died at war, and we don't know who it is, but we honor that person
1: yeah, exactly it wasn't it's an unidentified soldier um I believe it might have even been a marine, and it's guarded twenty four seven seven days a week by hard Marines. I I think mm-hmm. it's only Marines who guard it. I could be wrong, but it's a very prestigious kind of thing that, uh, that they guard that, that tomb and they're very diligent about how they march around it. Very specific. And it's a, it's a big deal.
3: Yeah. Wow. It's reminding me of that, the, yeah. the, the everyday programmer, you know, as a hero.
1: That's true. Yeah. I think that's, um that's probably the best, one of the best answers to that question. Cause it's not somebody in particular. It's, it could be you the listener right now it could be the person listening to this thinking i'm peter's hero and that's awesome so congrats it could be even me
3: jared I, who knows right
4: we'll
1: could never be, know it Could
3: be you jared now we're gonna give on is it serpico i'm Serpico. <laughs> no what's that movie i'm uh, serpico that's right <laughs> Oh, well, we need to close the show before I
1: yeah. dive us into movie quotes. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's a bad land. We've been there before. But uh, Peter, one last thing for you. Anything? Any closing thoughts for you? Any advice you want to share with the open source world? This is a chance for you to kind of uh, put one last thing out there before we close out.
0: Uh, I think making making something really easy to use. Like so, if I want to help out in an open source project. Uh, and it doesn't work, or like it's, it's like the README is quite complicated, it scares me off. And I, I mean, and that's why I think, like, for example, I've seen the Firefox Developer Tools. They have made a, a new version that's, that's where you can actually just clone the repository, and then you can hook it up with Firefox Nightly, and, and it's up and running, and you can hack on it. And I think building tools that are easy to get up and running I really like that. And I think that's, that's a good thing that you should focus on.
1: Keep things simple. There's a, an acronym, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, silly. I don't like the other version of that. Silly. People say that, they say- I was, actually,
3: I was like, actually just thinking that exact same word. I was like, silly.
1: Yeah, silly. I mean, who wants it. to say the other one? I mean, no one's stupid out there. There's no stupid questions. There's no stupid answers. It's, it's the curiosity that moves things forward. There are silly questions. There are silly questions, and sometimes those are fun <laughs> questions. Who knows, right? <laughs> sometimes we ask those questions. Yes, again, we were on a tangent. Peter, it was awesome having you, man. It was, uh, it was great to hear about your history, and where you came from. It's certainly interesting to hear how important this mission is, and obviously the, the things you do at Wikimedia Foundation, and you know, kind of closing that, uh, that loop for you with Justin. And Justin, thank you for obviously being a fan of the show and teeing up this question on, mm-hmm. on Ping. Jared, you know, on that note, we had a, a tweet. that was actually a response to somebody else, but mentioned us, and they said that we seem to only do shows that are recommendations on ping. Is that true? Do we only do shows that are recommendations? No, no, we don't, right? We 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 we
3: every once in a while. We'll to show up ourselves.
1: <laughs> we're, we're somewhat what's more, we can we can. But <laughs> well, we, well, the point is, though, is that we do really yeah, appreciate yeah. and really love an interactive audience, and so that's just a way to open up and say. We have our ideas for for fun shows, too, but we always are open to hear you, the listener's thoughts. And that's where we have github.com slash the changelog slash ping. There's issues there. put one down. If you've got somebody that's an influencer to use, a show you want us to do, or pitch us an idea or a new project, uh, we have changelog weekly that goes out every single week. Um, Those are ways you can interact with us. That's our open inbox, so to speak. We're, We're an open... Organization by and large, so that's that's just a way to say we have fun shows, we, we line up ourselves, but we love it whenever you tell us about things that are interesting to you. So, Peter, that's it for this show, man. Uh, it's been a blast having you. Where can people find you at? Where are you at on Twitter? Where are you at on GitHub? But we'll link these up in the show notes, of course. But uh, what's, uh, what's your handles there?
0: yeah on github it's Soul calor and on twitter it's so love okay so it's
1: different yeah being sneaky i see yeah well <laughs> listeners will leave that up in the show notes. so find the show notes for this show and uh fellows with that let's let's call the show done and say goodbye
3: goodbye thanks peter appreciate it thank you bye-bye